Section 16 of Essays, Book 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cynthia Moyer. Essays, Book 3, by Michel de Montaigne. Translated by Charles Cotton. Of the Art of Conference. Part 1. Tis a custom of our justice to condemn some for a warning to others. To condemn them for having done amiss were folly, as Plato says, for what is done can never be undone but tis to the end they may offend no more, and that others may avoid the example of their offence. We do not correct the man we hang. We correct others by him. I do the same. My errors are sometimes natural, incorrigible, and irremediable. But the good which virtuous men do to the public in making themselves imitated, I, peradventure, may do in making my manners avoided. Nonne vides, albi ut male vivat filius, utque barus inops, magnum documentum ne patriam rem perdere quis velit. Dost thou not see how ill the son of Albus lives? and how the indigent barus a great warning lest any one should incline to dissipate his patrimony horace satires one four one hundred nine publishing and accusing my own imperfections some one will learn to be afraid of them the parts that i most esteem in myself derive more honour from decrying than for commending myself, which is the reason why I so often fall into, and so much insist upon, that strain. But when all is summed up, a man never speaks of himself without loss. A man's accusations of himself are always believed, his praises never there may peradventure be some of my own complexion who better instruct myself by contrariety than by similitude and by avoiding than by imitation the elder cato was regarding this sort of discipline when he said that the wise may learn more of fools than fools can of the wise and pausanias tells us of an ancient player upon the harp who was wont to make his scholars go to hear one who played very ill who lived over against him that they might learn to hate his discords and false measures the horror of cruelty more inclines me to clemency than any example of clemency could possibly do a good writer does not so much mend my seat as an awkward attorney or a venetian on horseback 
and a clownish way of speaking more reforms mine than the most correct the ridiculous and simple look of another always warns and advises me that which pricks rouses and incites much better than that which tickles the time is now proper for us to reform backward more by dissenting than by agreeing by differing more than by consent profiting little by good examples i make use of those that are ill which are everywhere to be found i endeavour to render myself as agreeable as i see others offensive as constant as i see others fickle as affable as i see others rough as good as i see others evil but i propose to myself impracticable measures the most fruitful and natural exercise of the mind in my opinion is conversation i find the use of it more sweet than of any other action of life and for that reason it is that if i were now compelled to choose i should sooner i think consent to lose my sight than my hearing and speech the athenians and also the romans kept this exercise in great honour in their academies the italians retain some traces of it to this day to their great advantage as is manifest by the comparison of our understandings with theirs the study of books is a languishing and feeble motion that heats not whereas conversation teaches and exercises at once if i converse with a strong mind and a rough disputant he presses upon my flanks and pricks me right and left his imaginations stir up mine jealousy glory and contention stimulate and raise me up to something above myself and acquiescence is a quality altogether tedious in discourse but as our mind fortifies itself by the communication of vigorous and regular understandings tis not to be expressed how much it loses and degenerates by the continual commerce and familiarity we have with mean and weak spirits there is no contagion that spreads like that i know sufficiently by experience what tis worth a yard i love to discourse and dispute but it is with but few men and for myself for to do it as a spectacle and entertainment to great persons and to make of a man's wit and words competitive parade is in my opinion very unbecoming a man of honour folly is a bad quality but not to be able to endure it to fret and vex at it as i do is another sort of disease 
little less troublesome than folly itself and is the thing that i will now accuse in myself i enter into conference and dispute with great liberty and facility forasmuch as opinion meets in me with a soil very unfit for penetration and wherein to take any deep root no propositions astonish me no belief offends me though never so contrary to my own there is no so frivolous and extravagant fancy that does not seem to me suitable to the production of human wit we who deprive our judgment of the right of determining look indifferently upon the diverse opinions and if we incline not our judgment to them yet we easily give them the hearing where one scale is totally empty i let the other waver under an old wife's dreams and i think myself excusable if i prefer the odd number thursday rather than friday if i had rather be the twelfth or fourteenth than the thirteenth at table if i had rather on a journey see a hare run by me than cross my way and rather give my man my left foot than my right when he comes to put on my stockings all such reveries as are in credit around us deserve at least a hearing for my part they only with me import inanity but they import that moreover vulgar and casual opinions are something more than nothing in nature and he who will not suffer himself to proceed so far falls peradventure into the vice of obstinacy to avoid that of superstition the contradictions of judgments then neither offend nor alter they only rouse and exercise me we evade correction whereas we ought to offer and present ourselves to it especially when it appears in the form of conference and not of authority at every opposition we do not consider whether or no it be dust but right or wrong how to disengage ourselves instead of extending the arms we thrust out our claws i could suffer myself to be rudely handled by my friend so much as to tell me that i am a fool and talk i know not of what i love stout expressions amongst gentlemen and to have them speak as they think we must fortify and harden our hearing against this tenderness of the ceremonious sound of words i love a strong and manly familiarity and conversation a friendship that pleases itself in the sharpness and vigour of its communication like love in biting and scratching it is not vigorous and generous enough if it be not quarrelsome 
if it be civilized and artificial if it treads nicely and fears the shock neque enum disputare sine reprehensione potest neither can a man dispute but he must contradict or nor can people dispute without reprehension cicero de finibus one eight when any one contradicts me he raises my attention not my anger i advance towards him who controverts who instructs me the cause of truth ought to be the common cause both of the one and the other what will the angry man answer passion has already confounded his judgment agitation has usurped the place of reason it were not amiss that the decision of our disputes should pass by wager that there might be a material mark of our losses to the end we might the better remember them and that my man might tell me your ignorance and obstinacy cost you last year at several times a hundred crowns i hail and caress truth in what quarter soever i find it and cheerfully surrender myself and open my conquered arms as far off as i can discover it and provided it be not too imperiously take a pleasure in being reproved and accommodate myself to my accusers very often more by reason of civility than amendment loving to gratify and nourish the liberty of admonition by my facility of submitting to it and this even at my own expense nevertheless it is hard to bring the men of my time to it they have not the courage to correct because they have not the courage to suffer themselves to be corrected and speak always with dissimulation in the presence of one another i take so great a pleasure in being judged and known that it is almost indifferent to me in which of the two forms i am so my imagination so often contradicts and condemns itself that tis all one to me if another do it especially considering that i give his reprehension no greater authority than i choose but i break with him who carries himself so high as i know of one who repents his advice if not believed and takes it for an affront if it be not immediately followed that socrates always received smilingly the contradictions offered to his arguments a man may say arose from his strength of reason and that the advantage being certain to fall on his side he accepted them as a matter of new victory but we see on the contrary that nothing in argument renders our sentiment so delicate as the opinion of preeminence and 
disdain of the adversary and that in reason tis rather for the weaker to take in good part the oppositions that correct him and set him right in earnest i rather choose the company of those who ruffle me than of those who fear me tis a dull and hurtful pleasure to have to do with people who admire us and approve of all we say antisthenes commanded his children never to take it kindly or for a favour when any man commended them i find i am much prouder of the victory i obtain over myself when in the very ardour of dispute i make myself submit to my adversary's force of reason than i am pleased with the victory i obtain over him through his weakness in fine i receive and admit of all manner of attacks that are direct how weak soever but i am too impatient of those that are made out of form i care not what the subject is the opinions are to me all one and i am almost indifferent whether i get the better or the worse i can peaceably argue a whole day together if the argument be carried on with method i do not so much require force and subtlety as order i mean the order which we every day observe in the wranglings of shepherds and shop-boys but never amongst us if they start from their subject tis out of incivility and so tis with us but their tumult and impatience never put them out of their theme their argument still continues its course if they interrupt and do not stay for one another they at least understand one another any one answers too well for me if he answers what i say when the dispute is irregular and disordered i leave the thing itself and insist upon the form with anger and indiscretion falling into wilful malicious and imperious way of disputation of which i am afterwards ashamed tis impossible to deal fairly with a fool my judgment is not only corrupted under the hand of so impetuous a master but my conscience also our disputes ought to be interdicted and punished as well as other verbal crimes what vice do they not raise and heap up being always governed and commanded by passion we first quarrel with their reasons and then with the men we only learn to dispute that we may contradict and so every one contradicting and being contradicted it falls out that the fruit of disputation is to lose and annihilate truth therefore it is that plato in his republic prohibits this exercise to fools and ill-bred people 
to what end do you go about to inquire of him who knows nothing to the purpose a man does no injury to the subject when he leaves it to seek how he may treat it i do not mean by an artificial and scholastic way but by a natural one with a sound understanding what will it be in the end one flies to the east the other to the west they lose the principle dispersing it in the crowd of incidents after an hour of tempest they know not what they seek one is low the other high and a third wide one catches at a word and a simile another is no longer sensible of what is said in opposition to him and thinks only of going on at his own rate not of answering you another finding himself too weak to make good his rest fears all refuses all at the very beginning confounds the subject or in the very height of the dispute stops short and is silent by a peevish ignorance affecting a proud contempt or a foolishly modest avoidance of further debate provided this man strikes he cares not how much he lays himself open the other counts his words and weighs them for reasons another only brawls and uses the advantage of his lungs here's one who learnedly concludes against himself and another who deafens you with prefaces and senseless digressions an other falls into downright railing and seeks a quarrel after the german fashion to disengage himself from a wit that presses too hard upon him and a last man sees nothing into the reason of the thing but draws a line of circumvallation about you of dialectic clauses and the formulas of his art now who would not enter into distrust of sciences and doubt whether he can reap from them any solid fruit for the service of life considering the use we put them to nihil sanantibus literis letters which cure nothing seneca epistle fifty nine who has got understanding by his logic where are all her fair promises nec ad melius vivendum nec ad commodius deserendum it neither makes a man live better nor talk better cicero de finibus one nineteen is there more noise or confusion in the scolding of herring-wives than in the public disputes of men of this profession i had rather my son should learn in a tap-house to speak than in the schools to prate take a master of arts and confer with him why does he not make us sensible of this artificial excellence and why does he not captivate 
women and ignoramuses as we are with admiration at the steadiness of his reasons and the beauty of his order why does he not sway and persuade us to what he will why does a man who has so much advantage in matter and treatment mix railing indiscretion and fury in his disputations strip him of his gown his hood and his latin let him not batter our ears with aristotle pure and simple you will take him for one of us or worse whilst they torment us with this complication and confusion of words it fares with them methinks as with jugglers their dexterity imposes upon our senses but does not at all work upon our belief this leisure domain excepted they perform nothing that is not very ordinary and mean for being the more learned they are none the less fools i love and honour knowledge as much as they that have it and in its true use tis the most noble and the greatest acquisition of men but in such as i speak of and the number of them is infinite who build their fundamental sufficiency and value upon it who appeal from their understanding to their memory sub aliena umbra latentes sheltering under the shadow of others seneca epistle thirty three and who can do nothing but by book i hate it if i dare to say so worse than stupidity in my country and in my time learning improves fortunes enough but not minds if it meet with those that are dull and heavy it overcharges and suffocates them leaving them a crude and undigested mass if airy and fine it purifies clarifies and subtilizes them even to exinanition tis a thing of almost indifferent quality a very useful accession to a well-born soul but hurtful and pernicious to others or rather a thing of very precious use that will not suffer itself to be purchased at an under rate in the hand of some tis a sceptre in that of others a fool's bauble but let us proceed what greater victory do you expect than to make your enemy see and know that he is not able to encounter you when you get the better of your argument tis truth that wins when you get the advantage of form and method tis then you who win i am of opinion that in plato and xenophon socrates disputes more in favour of the disputants than in favour of the dispute and more to instruct euthydemus and protagoras in the knowledge of their impertinence than in the impertinence of their art 
he takes hold of the first subject like one who has a more profitable end than to explain it namely to clear the understandings that he takes upon him to instruct and exercise to hunt after truth is properly our business and we are inexcusable if we carry on the chase impertinently and ill to fail of seizing it is another thing for we are born to inquire after truth it belongs to a greater power to possess it it is not as democritus said hid in the bottom of the deeps but rather elevated to an infinite height in the divine knowledge the world is but a school of inquisition it is not who shall enter the ring but who shall run the best courses he may as well play the fool who speaks true as he who speaks false for we are upon the manner not the matter of speaking tis my humour as much to regard the form as the substance and the advocate as much as the cause as alcibiades ordered we should and every day pass away my time in reading authors without any consideration of their learning their manner is what i look after not their subject and just so do i hunt after the conversation of any eminent wit not that he may teach me but that i may know him and that knowing him if i think him worthy of imitation i may imitate him every man may speak truly but to speak methodically prudently and fully is a talent that few men have the falsity that proceeds from ignorance does not offend me but the foppery of it i have broken off several treaties that would have been of advantage to me by reason of the impertinent contestations of those with whom i treated i am not moved once in a year at the faults of those over whom i have authority but upon the account of the ridiculous obstinacy of their allegations denials excuses we are every day going together by the ears they neither understand what is said nor why and answer accordingly tis enough to drive a man mad i never feel any hurt upon my head but when tis knocked against another and more easily forgive the vices of my servants than their boldness importunity and folly let them do less provided they understand what they do you live in hope to warm their affection to your service but there is nothing to be had or to be expected from a stock but what if i take things otherwise than they are perhaps i do and therefore it is that i accuse my own impatience and hold in the first place that it is equally vicious both in him that is in the right and in him that is in the wrong 
for tis always a tyrannic sourness not to endure a form contrary to one's own and besides there cannot in truth be a greater more constant nor more irregular folly than to be moved and angry at the follies of the world for it principally makes us quarrel with ourselves and the old philosopher never wanted an occasion for his tears whilst he considered himself miso one of the seven sages of a timonian and democritic humour being asked what he laughed at being alone that i do laugh alone answered he how many ridiculous things in my own opinion do i say and answer every day that comes over my head and then how many more according to the opinion of others if i bite my own lips what ought others to do in fine we must live amongst the living and let the river run under the bridge without our care or at least without our interference in truth why do we meet a man with a hunchback or any other deformity without being moved and cannot endure the encounter of a deformed mind without being angry this vicious sourness sticks more to the judge than to the crime let us always have this saying of plato in our mouths do not i think things unsound because i am not sound in myself am i not myself in fault may not my observations reflect upon myself a wise and divine saying that lashes the most universal and common error of mankind not only the reproaches that we throw in the face of one another but our reasons also our arguments and controversies are reboundable upon us and we wound ourselves with our own weapons of which antiquity has left me enough grave examples it was ingeniously and home said by him who was the inventor of this sentence stercus cuique suum bene olet to every man his own excrements smell well erasmus we see nothing behind us we mock ourselves an hundred times a day when we deride our neighbours and we detest in others the defects which are more manifest in us and which we admire with marvellous inadvertency and impudence it was but yesterday that i heard a man of understanding and of good rank as pleasantly as justly scoffing at the folly of another who did nothing but torment everybody with the catalogue of his genealogy and alliances above half of them false for they are most apt to fall into such ridiculous discourses whose qualities are most dubious and least sure and yet 
would he have looked into himself, he would have discerned himself to be no less intemperate and wearisome in extolling his wife's pedigree. Oh, importunate presumption, with which the wife sees herself armed by the hands of her own husband! Did he understand Latin, we should say to him, Age, si hic non insanit satis sua sponte instiga. Come, if of himself he is not mad enough, urge him on. Terence, Andrea, 4, 2, 9. I do not say that no man should accuse another who is not clean himself, for then no one would ever accuse, clean from the same sort of spot. But I mean that our judgment, falling upon another who is then in question, should not at the same time spare ourselves, but sentence us with an inward and severe authority. Tis an office of charity that he who cannot reclaim himself from a vice should, nevertheless, endeavour to remove it from another, in whom, peradventure, it may not have so deep and so malignant a root. Neither do I think it an answer to the purpose to tell him who reproves me for my fault that he himself is guilty of the same. What of that? The reproof is, notwithstanding, true and of very good use. Had we a good nose, our own ordure would stink worse to us for as much as it is our own. And Socrates is of opinion that whoever should find himself, his son, and a stranger, guilty of any violence and wrong, ought to begin with himself, present himself first to the sentence of justice, and implore to purge himself the assistance of the hand of the executioner. In the next place he should proceed to his son, and lastly to the stranger. If this precept seem too severe, he ought at least to present himself the first to the punishment of his own conscience. The senses are our first and proper judges, which perceive not things but by external accidents. And tis no wonder if in all the parts of the service of our society there is so perpetual and universal a mixture of ceremonies and superficial appearances, insomuch that the best and most effectual part of our polities therein consist. Tis still man with whom we have to do, of whom the condition is wonderfully corporal. Let those who, of these late years, would erect for us such a contemplative and immaterial an exercise of religion, not wonder if there be some who think it had vanished and melted through their fingers, had it not more upheld itself among us as a mark, title, and instrument of 
division and faction than by itself as in conference the gravity robe and fortune of him who speaks oft-times gives reputation to vain arguments and idle words it is not to be presumed but that a man so attended and feared has not in him more than ordinary sufficiency and that he to whom the king has given so many offices and commissions and charges he so supercilious and proud has not a great deal more in him than another who salutes him at so great a distance and who has no employment at all not only the words but the grimaces also of these people are considered and put into the account every one making it his business to give them some fine and solid interpretation if they stoop to the common conference and that you offer anything but approbation and reverence they then knock you down with the authority of their experience they have heard they have seen they have done so and so you are crushed with examples i should willingly tell them that the fruit of a surgeon's experience is not the history of his practice and his remembering that he has cured four people of the plague and three of the gout unless he knows how thence to extract something whereon to form his judgment and to make us sensible that he has thence become more skilful in his art as in a concert of instruments we do not hear a lute a harpsichord or a flute alone but one entire harmony the result of all together if travel and offices have improved them tis a product of their understanding to make it appear tis not enough to reckon experiences they must weigh sort and distill them to extract the reasons and conclusions they carry along with them there were never so many historians it is indeed good and of use to read them for they furnish us everywhere with excellent and laudable instructions from the magazine of their memory which doubtless is of great concern to the help of life but tis not that we seek for now we examine whether these relators and collectors of things are commendable themselves i hate all sorts of tyranny both in word and deed i am very ready to oppose myself against those vain circumstances that delude our judgments by the senses and keeping my eye close upon those extraordinary greatnesses i find that at best they are men as others are raros enum ferme sensus communis in illa fortuna for in those high fortunes common sense is generally rare juvenal 
eight seventy three peradventure we esteem and look upon them for less than they are by reason they undertake more and more expose themselves they do not answer to the charge they have undertaken there must be more vigour and strength in the bearer than in the burden he who has not lifted as much as he can leaves you to guess that he has still a strength beyond that and that he has not been tried to the utmost of what he is able to do he who sinks under his load makes a discovery of his best and the weakness of his shoulders this is the reason that we see so many silly souls amongst the learned and more than those of the better sort they would have made good husbandmen good merchants and good artisans their natural vigour was cut out to that proportion knowledge is a thing of great weight they faint under it their understanding has neither vigour nor dexterity enough to set forth and distribute to employ or make use of this rich and powerful matter it has no prevailing virtue but in a strong nature and such natures are very rare and the weak ones says socrates corrupt the dignity of philosophy in the handling it appears useless and vicious when lodged in an ill-contrived mind they spoil and make fools of themselves humani qualis simulator simius oris quem puer aridens pretiosos stamine serum velavit nudasque nates ac terga reliquit ludibrium mensis just like an ape simulator of the human face whom a wanton boy has dizened up in rich silks above but left the lower parts bare for a laughing-stock for the tables claudian in eutropium one three hundred three neither is it enough for those who govern and command us and have all the world in their hands to have a common understanding and to be able to do the same that we can they are very much below us if they be not infinitely above us as they promise more so they are to perform more and yet silence is to them not only a countenance of respect and gravity but very often of good advantage too for megabesus going to see apelles in his painting-room stood a great while without speaking a word and at last began to talk of his paintings for which he received this rude reproof whilst thou wast silent thou seemedest to be some great thing by reason of thy chains and rich habit but now that we have heard thee speak there is not the meanest boy in my workshop that does not despise thee 
those princely ornaments that mighty state did not permit him to be ignorant with a common ignorance and to speak impertinently of painting he ought to have kept this external and presumptive knowledge by silence to how many foolish fellows of my time has a sullen and silent mien procured the credit of prudence and capacity. End of section 16